1: If you like Talisman, try out these other games. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode.
0: You're listening to a
1: proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more... At Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. Episode 199, the penultimate episode, my friend. We've done it.
0: Oh, we're, we're done? I mean, we've done a thing. Okay, well, penultimate was in next time is the last one. Right. So, okay, well, you hear you heard it here first, guys. (laughs) We're almost there. (laughs) Well, it's still somewhat of,
1: you know, a passing of a a great and powerful milestone. 200 episodes, five years, pretty much at the same time. That's that's pretty significant. That deserves a little uh, fanfare and such. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh,
0: (laughs) Got to make fun of it a little bit, of course. Yeah, yeah. Ah, there you go. See? (laughs) We're going to have fanfare.
1: Do it right. It's true. So it's episode 199, and one of our favorite features, if you like Talisman, the board game, try out these other games, because if you like Talisman, it's a typical game that you've been playing for a long time. You may not have realized, because Talisman takes a very long time to play
0: that there have been other games created since Talisman shockingly enough. <laughs> you, you should know that my brother who I love, he plays Talisman and you know, we've had conversations about board games and how I run a board game podcast and how that there are thousands of other games that I consider better than Talisman personally. <laughs> and we've we've had this conversation before on this podcast. <laughs> so. so now we get to show you
1: what games, in fact, are fantastic if you like Talisman. So we're going to be talking about that for our feature review. And we have so much other things to talk about. Obviously, we got back from PAX. We are going through the great games that we got to the table this week. And we're talking about a lot of the great things, especially that our Patreon backers helped us be able to produce. So, Anthony, we had something going on with our Patreon
0: backers. Why don't you tell us a little about that? Yeah, just a little thank you. Here, the the Christmas time, we wanted to run a contest. So, uh, everybody who was a Patreon backer was entered. You didn't have to do anything. So, another benefit of being a backer. And we uh, we chose a winner, Eric. Eric is going to be emailed with the details of this contest win and what he gets. Um, really just gets to choose a game from, from one of our lists. So, we're going to run these periodically. I mean, it's not obviously the big contests like we did the the top listener games back in October. We'll have another contest here at the beginning of the year, probably that everybody can enter whether you're backer or not. But occasionally uh, we'll have one of these special contests for the, the Patreon backers. And we're actually getting decently close to that milestone, you know, just a few more backers and we'll get to the point where we'll run those contests a lot more often. So if you're interested in that, if you like the contest thing, if you like the uh, hit of adrenaline, every time your name may or may not come up, check that out because A, we'll have them regularly. And then B, if enough people hop on, we'll have them frequently. So, and which will be exciting. Yeah. And something we don't often talk
1: about as far as the podcast is concerned, Anthony and I are pretty focused on helping you purchase the best games possible and play the best games at the table. But the podcast itself, the website, the YouTube channel, and everything else we do for you does take a lot of time, effort, and money and, Every Patreon backer that backs us and every supporter that we have does help us get to the goal of making your board gaming experience the best possible. Recently, we switched our recording software. We were working with Skype, which was not helpful. And some of you in the past have mentioned that. So now we're working with Zencaster, which is great because now some of the volume issues are taken care of. But it is an additional cost amongst a number of other additional costs. and. As our Patreon grows, we'll be able to bring a higher quality podcast to you each and every week, more YouTube videos, and more conferences and conventions that we'll be able to show up at, and hopefully get some more games to the table with you personally. So thank you so much. It means everything to us. If you're not able to donate a dollar or such, let other people know about the podcast. Help them get into gaming. Help spread the great word. Maybe you have families or friends who are looking to purchase a game for you for this holiday season, and you don't want to come right out and say it. Let them know about the podcast because we're always talking about the best in game. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with us. What's going on with our listeners? What's our question of the week?
0: All right. We are in the home stretch for this year. So I figured I'd start asking around and seeing what people are up to, what their favorite games of the year are. We'll talk about this in a few weeks when we do our year recap and our awards. But it's interesting to start getting people's feel of like what's been great, what's not been great. Um, you know, over on the Dice Tower side, which we're still part of that awards committee, um, we're starting to have that conversation as well. So it's, it's always kind of fun to start picking and prodding and deciding what counts, what doesn't, what's good, what's not. So it was interesting because I asked this and I got a lot of different answers. You know, in, in past years there have been you know one or two standouts. Everybody's like, it's this one. You know, the year Scythe and Terraforming Mars came out, it was those two games just pure across the board, right? This year, I don't think we have that. I don't think we have one of those games. It's just like, it's this game and nothing else, which is represented by the diversity here. So we have Damien says Rising Sun. Tim says Welcome to and Queen Bra. Matt says Brass Birmingham. Um, Scott says Root. I've had a couple people say Root, but less than I expected. Ryan mentions Western Legends. Darren says, actually mentioned two reprints, Endeavor and Container, which might be indicative of the year overall. Andrew mentions Newton, Cindy mentioned prehistory, Quimbra, role player, Quest for El Dorado, Clank, Grades. Obviously not all those are new, but obviously, you know, lots of different diversity here. Some of the other games that people are throwing around, Cryptid, I've heard that one a few times, Decrypto, uh, Chronicles of Crime is another one that people are starting to, to pick up, Rise of Tribes, Spring Meadow, which is, you know, a puzzle game and thank you Chris for mentioning Spring Meadow as well as Palm Island, two games that I love. So lots of interesting stuff. I don't actually know what my favorite games of this year are going to be just yet. There's a, I mean, I have a short list in my head, but I don't know if I've picked my one. Whereas in the last two, three years, I feel like at this point I knew what my number one game of the year was, or at least my number one and two. Where do you think you're at? As you mentioned, it's pretty challenging. It seems
1: like it's been many, many years since rising sun came out. So when people are like rising sun, is a great game this year it might be number one. I'm like, Rising sun came out this year. (laughs) It just seems like a world away. And I think that I would have my list if it wasn't for PAX unplugged, having the opportunity to play so many of those different Essen releases really changes things up. And so many people are getting games to table because a lot of the Kickstarters are being fulfilled right now. So I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I'm really excited to put that list together because like you said, There hasn't been one big standout, but there's been a lot of great games out there. So I'm looking forward to talking more about those and working with you to see which one is the best for the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not going to be like, again, the last couple of years, it was really close. Like maybe you picked one and I picked one, but we're both like those were our one twos. I think this year might be a little bit more varied. So it'll be interesting. It's true. All right. So if you'd like to get in
1: on the conversation and man, we really wish you would. Check us out. Reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. I really don't have to label them all to you, but you're having these great conversations at the table with friends and family. Bring them over to us so that we could talk about them on the podcast. Make you podcast famous at your table. It's a lot of fun. I was just talking to our friends Daniel and Paul recently about this, and there is just so much board gaming goodness out there. Don't keep a secret. Bring it out to us because we really want to hear from all of you out there. So many great places to reach out to us or just drop us an email. Love to hear from you and love to meet new people at the table. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with our listeners. Let's get on to
0: our acquisition disorders. All righty. Cool. I'm going to talk about a super old game that I, I just have never gotten a chance to play. And this is one of those grail games that it's been out of print for a while. So I... Haven't even thought of getting a chance to play it, but Democker is being reprinted by Spielworks in May, I think May of next year, so it'll be up hopefully soon. Start seeing copies floating around. I know Spielworks stuff has been showing up in the board game geek store. They've been selling it over here in the states, so I'm hoping they get some copies as well. The thing about Spielworks is they they only print a thousand games at a time, and this is actually. A lot of those games stick around because they're expensive because Spielwerks prices are very expensive, like a hundred plus dollars. This game, Demacher, is one of those, like I said, grail games that everybody's always trying to find. I don't know if it'll stick around that long, so I'm going to keep my eye on it. The game itself is about German politics, <laughs> and it is about as exciting of a um, a byline as you might expect. You are one of the national political parties, and you are trying to win various different political races throughout the different regions of Germany. And the funny thing about this game is it's actually originally developed in the 80s and it was just about what old West Germany, but they updated it in the 90s uh, for the full like reunited Germany and that's when it became playable with five players. So and that's kind of the version of the game most people think about is the one that was recommended by the Spiel des Jahres committee and everything else. I've never played it. I would love to get a chance to play it, but it's also one of those all day games, uh, you know, can take, you know, four to six hours. It's definitely on my list. I'm probably going to snag a copy. I don't know if I'll ever play it, but I'm looking forward to finally have it in front of me.
1: Yeah, thanks to our friend Dave. I actually picked up a copy of this at the World Board Game Championships, I think about two years ago. And I was really thrilled because there aren't that many, quote unquote, grail games still left out there that people haven't. Gotten their hands on, or haven't been reprinted at this point, and this seemed like the game that was never going to be reprinted because, as you mentioned, it seemed like a very esoteric type of topic in a hobby that's very esoteric to begin with. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, I got this. I would never see it otherwise. It's amazing, and I have not been able to get to the table because it does take a very long time and it's quite complicated. But maybe now. With the game coming out, I'll kind of bring up the buzz and people would want to get to the table. So excited for that, nonetheless. Well, just briefly, I want to mention, because I know Anthony's a big fan, and if our acquisition disorders are any, they are a way in which I'm able to get my friends to spend money on board games. Power Grid is getting a quote unquote recharge version. This is going to be their 15th year anniversary edition that is going to have slight updates slight changes to the rules it's supposed to make the game a little tighter a little more interesting and still the amazing power grid that freedom freeze has put together so if you have never picked up power grid you'll probably want to pick this one up in 2019 it's definitely a great game it might be something that you kind of shied away from like demacher so Come back. Check this out in January 2019. Anthony owns, I think, pretty much most of the power grid out there. So I think he might want to pick this
0: one up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's not. <laughs> it's it's not enough differences. I, I mean, they're going to like find a way to make it just different enough for me. But uh, I have so many power grid boxes on my shelf. I don't know if I need another one. We'll see.
1: Yeah, the only thing I could say is Rio Grande Games and Freedom and Freeze generally haven't been those type of people that just like, hey, we're going to change this little thing just to make you buy something again. I mean, come on, people. They're not (laughs) Seamon. Burn. (laughs) Well, it's not like any of us to back the Blood Rage expansion. We weren't going to bring that up. What are you doing? (laughs) All right. Uh, That's our acquisition disorders because it only gets crazier from here.
0: Let's get on to the games that are hitting our table this week. What did you get to the table this week? All right. So I get a game called Spell Smashers to the table by Christopher Chung. Renegade published this one. Came out recently and like most Renegade games, kind of just like floated out there, nobody talked about it, and it's floating away because they released too many games. But this game is actually an interesting take on word games in that you are building words and using them to fight monsters. There are going to be three monsters out at any given time, at least one for every person who's playing. Uh, It could be more than that, depending on how the number of players you have. And each of them is going to have a certain amount of health that's printed on their card, which will tell you how many coins to put next to that monster. Uh, when you attack it you are basically building a word with the cards that are in your hand and the attack value will be printed based on the different levels of each of those individual cards the there are different elementals in the attacks which might impact certain monsters more or less than others depending on how you draw them so interesting little things like that it's not that strategic but it's stuff to think about it's not just like build a word score the points and when you build the word and you attack the monsters you are going to get the coins equal to whatever damage you do. If you deal the last of the damage to that monster, you then get the card itself, which has various benefits that you can use throughout the game. And so that's basically what you're doing. There are different actions you can take on the board as well. You can spend stuff at the end of your turn to upgrade things. You can get new weapons. You can get armor. You can get these permanent things in, in, that just stay there with you and give you bonuses throughout the game. And it's relatively quick. You know, it's a sleek, you know, 30, 40-minute game um with 2 3 players if you play with the full 5 it might take an hour or more but i don't really recommend that and it is a a new interesting way to do you know word games now does it do anything particularly revolutionary not really i mean this is kind of this is kind of what i end up saying about almost every renegade game i play these days is it's fine it's well polished it looks good it has good table presence I enjoyed it, but I don't necessarily recommend buying because none of them really stick, right? They're not like these mind-blowing, game-changing things. And, you know, they're churning out whatever 15, 20 games a year right now. So that's what's going to happen. They are one of those companies that's playing that four to six month window and they are playing it hard. So the game's fine. It's a play. If you really, really like word games, there's a lot of them out there. If you really, really like word games and want it to have a fantasy theme and want to attack these monsters, you know, maybe this is the one for you. But there are other word games that I would probably play before this one, like hardback. It does have a solo mode, like a specific board on the flip side of the, uh, the main board with its own unique um, way of playing the game, which is kind of fun. But again, nothing revolutionary there either. So It is uh, well worth checking out if you're a word game fan. Uh, And for everybody else, it's it's not too bad if you get stuck playing it. So (laughs) that's Spell Smashers.
1: Yeah, I'm really disappointed because I really like the artwork here. And it's a little bit of a twist for a quote-unquote boring word game. So I'm not terribly surprised because Renegade produces really nice games, unfortunately, at extremely high price tags. So
0: seems a little bit on the bland side so yeah i mean i just want more if you're gonna go to the trouble and build this whole fantasy thing around a word game and the basic mechanics of the word game are you have a hand of cards you make a word out of them and you score a certain amount of you know in this case damage to attack something with but that's pretty much every word game right more give me more put some strategy elements around it make the weight a little bit higher do something that makes it stand out from all those other ones other than just the theme because that's what it is it's just the theme is a difference and i don't for me at least it's not All right, so talking about raising the bar a little bit is the new
1: expansion for Great Western Trail. It's Great Western Trail, Rails to the North. So what we're looking at here is a new expansion from Eggerspiel, and it adds two, I I would say, two somewhat minor things to the game that actually have a big effect on gameplay. Now, first off, there is going to be a small little board ...that you're going to add to the bottom of your own player board. This is going to have two separate areas on it. One area is going to have an opportunity when you take an action... ...to be able to place a little house... ...for lack of a better word... ...on a space on the top of the board. And then obviously you can uncover the second action... ...so you can even make that more powerful... ...and place two of those houses down. On the right side of that little small board will be these little houses that you'll be able to place out on the board. And when you do reveal them, you'll have an opportunity to score additional victory points. Now the board itself that strangely enough kind of folds over the initial city track that you find with great Western trail, because now what this is doing is opening up the Northeast. So you have Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, New York, and such. So there's some different paths to victory here. And, Each of the cities now, when you place your disc on them, it opens up a track to a certain section on the above board to more cities and more places where you can place these little houses and in some cases discs so you can capture other cities. So instead of San Francisco being all the way at the right, it's now a connection from Chicago. So you have to be able to go to Chicago, place your disc there by placing houses in the little teal green area on the top. You'll be able to have an opportunity to place a disc in San Francisco if you meet the conditions. So this adds a little more complexity to the game because throughout you're not just building those bottom rows and trying to score as many victory points and as much money as possible, but you're also trying to locate the best cities to open up other sections of the top board. Now, as I mentioned, the top board has cities, the top board has some special abilities. When you place the houses out there, they'll give you victory points, they'll give you special tokens, and it will just add more to the gameplay. Now, while I was glad that they added something more to the game because... What I found I had a problem with with the initial gameplay was you have a cowboy track because basically what you're doing is herding cattle. You have an engineering track because obviously you're building tracks. And then you have a builder track because as you're walking the cattle through the area, you come across a number of different buildings that are going to give you special abilities or hinder and slow down and gain you money from your opponents. But the builder track was very weak. So having this top track kind of allows more building to take place, which is a positive. What's a negative about this extra track and how it tries to change the gameplay is now because you have these houses that go on the top to score victory points, to get extra tokens and allow you to build for free. In some cases, it slows down the game dramatically. Now I was playing with gamers who've played this game multiple times And I was able to get this game to the table multiple times with the expansion. And it just goes on and on and on. And one of the good things about the game, at least the base game, was it was very quick to play. The the building areas were pretty spot on. The card play was pretty straightforward. But once you're adding in an additional mechanic, placing those houses out there on the top of the board, getting more tokens, building more buildings... You're slowed down dramatically, you're losing a lot more money going through the the baseboard. You're doing a lot more actions in the game, and it's not making the game any more fun. Typically, when I buy a base game, I always buy the expansions, even sometimes when I haven't played the base game yet, just because I it's a rare situation where the expansion makes the base game worse. This is that exception. And this expansion makes the base game worse. So for Great Western Trails, Rails to the North, it's a solid dodge of all costs because the game plays well for what it is. It plays fast for what it is. This just adds way too much to the game. Doesn't make it more fun. It just bogs
0: it down and it really just grinds to a halt. Interesting. Uh, Why would they do that? Like, what's the point of making the game longer when you're when you're already talking about a game? It's like I said, it's pretty streamlined. It's not super long, but it can go longish. I mean, it's a, you know, medium heavy game. Why? Why turn it into one of those slogs? Who's asking for that?
1: I can't imagine. I mean, the only thing I could think of is that they were trying to beef up the building track a little bit. But when you do that, you're putting more buildings down, which takes money away. And it takes more travel movements to move through the bottom board so this game went crazy long and i was like all right maybe it was the first time we played it played again same thing and i'm just like what's going on here because basically what you're doing instead of just building the best victory point conditions you're building minor victory point conditions so that you can build to the top track which is really it's not anything different if you take a look at the visuals of this it's nothing different than what you've played previously. So it doesn't add something new and dynamic. It's more of the same, which typically for me is a play. Because if you, if you get more of the same of something you like, that's a play. When you get something more of the same that slows the game down to a grinding halt, it's a dodge. And in this game, it's just a hard dodge for me. It just doesn't work. All right. So that's everything that's been hitting our table. So, Anthony, let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about one of the board game classics of all time. Not only can you play it in cardboard fashion, but it's also an online in a number of different iterations. It is Talisman, classic game, endless numbers of expansions that go along with and really brings D&D to the table. So we are going to talk about Talisman, its mechanics, and what great games you could pick up that utilize those great themes and mechanics in maybe a better way or just maybe in a way that you haven't thought about before. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Talisman and start us off, Anthony.
0: All right. Yeah. Talisman is, well, it's basically a roll and move game where you have random encounters as you go throughout the game. It can take an hour. It can take eight hours. It's one of those beer and pretzel games. People sit down and play it for an evening and hang out. And it makes sense. Like if you're normally role playing or, you know, something like that. And this is kind of a board game that you can kind of get a similar feel thematically but not necessarily be super invested or have, you know, brain burningly complicated. There are over half a dozen expansions for this thing that add different elements and change things up and give you different options. But at the end of the day, you roll dice, you move, (laughs) and you hope you don't die. So For those people who enjoy that and who want something similar or even better for people who have friends who enjoy that and want to get them into other games that have a little bit more meat on their bones, we figured we'd share six games that have similar thematic elements, some similar ideas or at least concepts or feels to them and that way you can kind of start maybe easing your way into different types of board games, or if you're just, you know, burnt out on Talisman and want to try something else. The first one I wanted to mention is Runebound 3rd Edition. And the reason why is that when I think of Talisman, like if you were going to make it a strategy game, like a really decently, you know, engaging one, this is the game that always pops into my head is Runebound. Runebound's been a lot around for a little while. It's based in the Terranoth universe um, from Fantasy Flight. And this 3rd Edition really kind of streamlines and upgrades and and brings a lot of things together and makes it a lot of fun. You are moving around a map. You are doing a lot of exploration. There are random encounters. So a lot of the same ideas is what you see in Talisman in that way. It is a fantasy world, of course, but there's different types of things you encounter. So there's exploration encounters. There's different kind of social interactions you might have. And then of course, combat. The combat in this game is interesting. You have these little chips that you end up flipping. They're kind of like pogs almost. They're not dice. So if you are looking for something that is not so much dice-based. Here you go, but it's still not deterministic. It's it's random to some degree. Roombound has that in spades. Lots of different hero options. The base game only comes with a couple of adventures, but there is an expansion that brings in a third, um, and those are all pretty meaty. And in terms of game length, you're looking at a two, three, sometimes even four hour game. So it's another one where you can sit down and have fun and do lots of cool stuff. Hundreds of different skills you can upgrade buy from the market, lots and lots of good stuff here. The game out of the box comes competitive, so you will be playing against each other to some degree. The Unbreakable Bonds expansion, which I highly recommend if you're going to pick this up, makes the game co-op and also introduces a solo mode, so if you want to play the game alone, both of which are very good. That is my recommendation if you're looking for kind of an all-in-adventure type of game that replicates some of the ideas of Talisman but still has a bit of a comp... Competitive edge to it. Um, Roombound Third Edition. For my pick, one of the great things about Talisman is its
1: adherence to the really deep and rich fantasy culture that comes along with D and D games. So I want to look for something that's fantasy based and also utilizes the player versus player and the player versus the ultimate baddies that are on the board as possible. So an upgraded version and a, probably a better version would be Arcadia Quest. Now, Arcadia Quest utilizes a team of three adventurers in a dungeon-like setting. So right off the bat, we got fantasy all the way, special weapons and spells. You could have mages, you can have rogues, you can have clerics, paladins, and you're fighting against demons and orcs and all types of monsters in this really great bash-em-up. So you are fighting other players in their teams. You are competing for certain goals. So just like Talisman, where you're trying to get to the center of the board and defeat the baddies and win the day, same thing here. Each of the different scenarios in the game has one particular thing that you need to do, ideally, and a lot of other objectives that are going to score you points. Now, unlike Talisman, you don't kind of get locked down or get turned into a frog and just shut down for much of the game. Since you do have three characters here, you can get killed, you can get knocked around, but you got a team to support you. The board is awesome, and it also comes with a great campaign mode, so play one of the scenarios or play all the scenarios that branch off. Really
0: great D&D type of experience, Arcadia Quest. All right, next up for me is uh, another game from Simon is Zombicide Black Plague. This is what I think of when I think of, hey, beer and pretzels, but... Not necessarily Talisman. So (laughs) um, what you get with Zombicide Black Plague, you get the classic Zombicide formula, but it's been upgraded and streamlined a little bit. Um, I find it much more interesting and engaging. There's more decisions to be made. But in the end of the day, you have a console of your survivor. You're going out there. You are blowing up zombies left right and sideways this is a cooperative game so it is not um, necessarily you know there's no like single winner but you'll be fighting waves of zombies you'll be dealing with you know if you have the upgraded versions there's werewolves and now they have orcs as well and the green horde version of the game dozens and dozens of upgrades and different pieces of equipment and spells you can attach you can level up your character and in general it is a lot of fun to just build up this super strong character go onto the map and just blow things up um and that's kind of what it's designed to do is just be this kind of mindless fun that you have uh you know if you're looking for an evening game we're not super involved not super strategy not super thinky i think a lot of people who maybe would have played talisman 30 years ago this is the kind of game they'll be into these days so definitely worth checking out zombicide black plague
1: One of the great things that Talisman players love to experience with their game is this kind of sandbox, open world type of feel where literally anything could happen and just mess up your day. Or maybe you can mess up someone else's day. One of those great sandbox experiences isn't fantasy, but it's sci-fi fantasy. And this is Zaya, Legends of Adrift System. Now, with this, you are getting like your main character here and your main ship. And there's a whole bunch of different objectives that you can try to achieve in order to score victory points and win the day. While it is sci-fi, it really has a fantasy type of look to it with its bright, outrageous colors and its super overpowered weapons. So you're flying around this universe, you're jumping through special portals, and you're trying to take down other players and meet the objectives. It's crazy fun. It's really interactive and you can kind of set the game for any length you want. That is Zaya,
0: legends of a drift system. All right. Last one from me is a modern update of the classic betrayal at house on the Hill betrayal at Baldur's gate. So this is a new version of that kind of old school formula um, developed by Avalon Hill way back in the day. And it throws the, the, everything you know about Betrayal on House on the Hill into the world of Dungeons & Dragons. And if you have not played Betrayal at House on the Hill, you basically are a collection of people going and exploring this um, haunted mansion and finding all sorts of crazy things because there are dozens of scenarios in the book. So everything from parts of the house getting up and flying away to ghosts haunting to one of you being you know, a trader trying to hunt people down, all sorts of different stuff. There's almost always an element of like one person splitting off and becoming a trader or having a different win mechanic or something happening partway through the game to change how everything's working. This takes that idea and puts it into a fantasy setting. The interesting thing here, especially if you like Talisman, is that it has things like dice rolling. It is a fairly random game. It's not designed to be like min-maxed and won. It's designed to be an experience, kind of a party thing that you would do you know at the end of the day or on a special game day or whatever it is that play this type of game whenever you play talisman this is a good kind of proxy for that and if you're looking for something with a little bit more role-playing elements and a little bit more structure in the story betrayal at baldur's gate is a game well worth checking out
1: and finally my last game is one of my favorite games of all time i love high fantasy and i love that role-playing element to board gaming fighting down unendless endless waves of baddies throughout, not to mention the big scary monsters and dragons. My friends, if you have not played it, if you love Talisman, I highly recommend Defenders of the Realm. Defenders of the Realm allows you to take up one of these fantasy characters, just like you do in Talisman, and that special character has special abilities. Once again, just like Talisman, and you're able to go to inns and get special abilities and transform your character as you face down hordes of baddies coming down to take over the kingdom you can play with multiple other people cooperating to that victory but at no time does it feel like a co-op game because you are your own adventurer trying to take down and protect your cities defenders of the realm all right so there are six great games that you should absolutely positively check out if your talisman table is getting a little long in the tooth and you want to try something great that utilizes some of those brilliant and fun mechanics from talisman. All right. So that's everything from BGA this week, but that's not the end. Check out our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash BGA for brand new episodes of board gamers anonymous, where we talk more about board gaming. So join us over there. But until next time, this is Chris and this is Anthony and we'll save you all a seat at the table.